Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we do get started, I want to say today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners, and I particularly want to thank Marilee and Julianne so much for their support, and uh, uh, we'll send access to our premium site, as we do with all donations of $7 or more, and you can support the show, support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now... It's time for today's episode of The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. The original air date, October the 22nd, 1949. And the title, The Smokeout. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison of the grave. I didn't know it, but I was caught in a smokeout that led from a search for a lady in black. Past murder at a highway inn. The gunfire bling warehouse. For a girl already dead in the morgue. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Smokeout. seems to fail. A sleepless night that leaves you with raw nerves and sandpaper eyelids. It's always followed by a day that never ends. A kind of long, tough day that keeps you on the move until life in the city is finally reduced to no more than a confused, clatterous stink of exhaust fumes. An aimless mob of shallow people milling around, looking for nothing but a chance to con each other out of a lousy butt. This is no exception. Because when I finally decided to quit to get out of it to go someplace quiet and relaxed, I found myself instead in a hurry all over again. I was on my way to a very public building on Spring Street at the southern instigation of one Detective Lieutenant Matthews of Homicide. His phone call 20 minutes ago had caught me as soon as I opened my apartment door. Where have you been, Marlowe? Don't you ever check in at that office of yours? And on days like this, Matthews, they don't give me a chance. What's up? Tell me all you know about Vera Hamlin, Joe. Who's Vera Hamlin? A girl. No fool. Are you real sure you don't know her? Positive. Am I supposed to? Uh-uh. Maybe she used another name. Pretty blonde, about five six, a sweet kid, apparently. I can think of a lot of women who fit that description, Matthews. Yeah, you could. But mm-hmm. this one wrote you a letter yesterday. I didn't get it. Then I haven't been in my office at all today. Why? You wanted your help? How do you know? Well, uh, we picked it up from the imprint of an open pack of stationery in our apartment. Oh? Huh? Better come down and take a look at it, Bill. Take a look at it? Where is she? In the morgue. Oh. She was struck by a car last night. Accident? What makes you ask that, Marlowe? Your dubious tone of voice, Matthews. Well, was it an accident? I guess so. Maybe I've been a cop too long. I get suspicious myself on dark nights. I can understand it. Come on down, Phil. Right away, I'll meet you there. You better hold in a lot of... Oh, here he is now. Hello, Phil. Hi. That's good time. This is 
Mr. Connor, the mortgage attendant. I'm certainly glad to know you, Mr. Marlowe. Is this your first visit? No, I've been here before, Connor. Well, Matthews, for what good do you think this is going to do to the police department? Let's see her and get it over with. All right, let's go, Connor. Step this way, please, gentlemen. Follow me. Happy fellow, isn't he? Well, civil friend. Here, to the right. Now, let's see. Eggroom, Barnigan. Now, here we are. Hamlin, dear. There. Well, Marlowe? Mm. You know him, Marlowe? No. Okay. That's all. All right, Lieutenant Matthews. Come on, son. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Now, look, Matthews, I told you on the phone I didn't know. What'd you get me down here because for? Because there are some angles on this death. I don't like to look. That letter to you is one of them. That the letter? No. No, I read the whole thing in from the lab and that imprint they worked on. She was worried. She wanted you to investigate something for her. You were supposed to call her today. Oh, anything about her? Yeah, she came to L.A. about six months ago from Omaha. Mm-hmm. She worked for a guy named Brasso at the Produce Wholesale in 77 Market Street. Lately, she was seeing a lot of him after office hours. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But she was killed in front of Brasso's house at 2 a.m. as she was getting out of her car, and Brasso wasn't home at the time. Oh? He has a fair alibi. Puts him out on Highway 101 north of Santa Monica when hey, it happened. excuse me, gentlemen. I'd better get the phone. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, what about the motives, Matthew? No motives. Well, then why are you so upset? What you, why was she so upset? What did she want you for? That's not enough for you to go If I had that one answered, I'd know where to oh, go from there. I know, but you're pinning yeah, a murder rap on somebody. What do you mean murder rap? I'm not up uh, to that. for you. Oh. All right, thank you. Excuse me, Mr. Hello, this is Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A witness. Says it was murder. Still get a load of it. What? Yeah, give me that again. Yeah, a woman. Saw it happen, huh? Great. Who was it? The lady in black. Where'd you get that? It sounds corny. Where did you get that? It sounds... What? You mean there's a story about it out now in the L.A. Journal? Yeah. I'll be back there in five minutes. And listen, get a hold of the reporter who wrote that story and hang on to him. I want to talk to that wise punk. How do you like that? How do you like yeah, it? Yeah, Vera Hamlin murdered with an eyewitness to prove it. Only the police department is the last outfit in town to know. Come on, Phil. Where to this time? To buy a newspaper. Find out what's going on. <laughs> one stop on the way to pick up a copy of the journal which he read as I drove. The kind of smoky, well-illustrated sensationalism that caused issues, double police work, and false papers. exclusively to the journal tonight that she was an eyewitness when a mad killer purposely swerved his speeding car into curvaceous blonde beauty Vera Hamlin outside her lover's Brentwood home late last night. If that's journalism, I'll eat my bag. Keep reading. You're a cop, not a critic. Yeah, but I got taste. The lady in black will appear at police headquarters at 9 o'clock to reveal license number and description of the murder and the shocking death which police have already labeled accidental nuts. Come on, Mullins. I thought it was sorry for Matthews because the way things were breaking, the Vera Hamlin deal was a cinch to become one of those involved screwball affairs. When nothing goes according to the book and I was glad I never got a letter. Now it was none of my business. All I wanted to do was drop Matthews off, get away from the whole thing and try to forget about it. But when we piled up behind the waiting squad car at headquarters, a gang of night beat photographers draping the stairs stopped us. give you a... Lieutenant, is your witness going to show? It's nine on the button. Where's the lady in How do I know? I didn't find out there was a witness till I read it in the journal. Yeah, that was a dirty trick. I haven't. You're an old-timer, Abbott. You guys ought to keep punks like the journals squirt in line. They just make it tough on everybody. Oh, don't blame us for that guy. He's burned up, huh, Marla? You blame him? You know as well as I do, the journal picked up that witness right here. Kept her under wraps until they had time to break the story. Well, he shouldn't let it throw him. You know guys like that usually hang them. Sure, after the damage is done. Oh, no, 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 no,
Now, I've had enough today, Matthews. Besides, nobody in City Hall signs my check. Good night.
Husky enough to run over somebody and kill him. Not even getting into a car. I'll let that one go by, soldier. Where's the letter? Locked up in my office. What's she say in it? Wanted something to look into. Said this was a good place to start. Uh, jealous of a fool. Is that what the fight was about last time? Right. You do find things out, don't you, soldier? That's my business. Well, maybe you know who this lady in black here in the paper is. And what she's going to tell. Maybe. Might even know who was jumping up to try to kill her tonight and shut her up. Who is that? You mean somebody... Come on, Brasso. Let's stick closer to the truth. You're a lousy actor. For instance, Vera wanted me to come to this dump because you and Stipple are holed up here. Why? That doesn't concern you. It's business. Sure, and when a girl accidentally gets in the way of business, she's run over by it. Is that the way you work? You keep bossing on the same thing, soldier, and I don't like it. I was in love with Vera Hamlin. Maybe you're trying to use that to nail me in a frame. Maybe you're a sneak for that stinking louse weather. Maybe you didn't get any letter from Vera at all, so get out of here and think up a new one. Your theories are getting way ahead of you, Buster. Who's weather? Jerk. I said get out! Oh! Take that back for an answer, soldier, and you can get more of the same anytime you want it at 77 Market Street. That's a hair trigger left with 200 pounds of shoulder behind it. Piled me out of the door and flat on my back in the gravel. It's tallied my interview with him at zero with one minor exception. My spiteful informer Baggett had some basis and facts for his story, so I dusted myself off and made for the rear of the deserted filling station where the grease rack stood. There was nobody around. I waited a few minutes for him, and then I skirted wide around the auto court and looked in at the scaly window at the bar. Stipple was there with his nose in a beer glass, but no baggage. I circled the building quietly, found nothing but indignant spiders in dark corners, and decided to try the grease rack again. When the back door of the bar opened, and Moon came out with a flashlight and a pail of garbage. He was halfway to a rack of cans when he froze, like a bird dog with one foot in the air. Holy mackerel. Flashlight stabbing at a man's hand, hanging out over the edge of a shallow ditch. Look. Look there. There's somebody laying in the ditch. Yeah. No wonder I couldn't find him. It's Baggett with a knife in his back. Continue with the second act of Philip Marlowe and tonight's story, The Smokeout. Even as death quietly hardened the hand at the edge of the ditch, the wheezing, pudgy circle known as Moon was already worrying less about why murder was sprawled at his feet and more about what the violent saying of the truck driver was going to do to his roadhouse business as usual. Didn't make the host of listening. Big Brasso, that Monday stipple, all of them. They can take their trade and their trouble summers up. I gotta make a buck like the next guy, but I sure ain't gonna do it this way. For overnight, it's just. Hey, wait a minute, Moon. What That's troubles it. are you talking about? Brasso and stipple, I mean. What is it? Come on, speak up. It may be important. To who? To me and the law. The baggage here. Maybe a girl who died a little ahead of her time. A girl who what? Mr. you're talking in circles. Yeah, sure I am. And we don't have time for that, do we, Moon? Yeah, let go of me. Are you going to talk? Well? Okay, okay, I'll tell you. There's no international secret. Now, get your hands off of me. All right, but make it fast. Set up. What is it, Moon? Too much competition. 
another produce outfit run by a guy named Mike. Uh, he, he's been picking Brussels trucks off along US 101 every other night. Sometimes it's a well-planned accident, and sometimes just sloppy hijacking, but all this is trouble. Trouble Brussels can't prove, is that it? Yeah. That's the reason for Monday Stipples and the meeting out here. Stipples supposed to get the proof for hey, Brussels. There's a guy going to the car next to mine. Oh, that's Brussels, Marlowe. And like I said, I've had enough. For my dough, it's time to call the cops. Good luck, sucker. Russell was out in front by no more than 30 seconds, so as I ran toward my car on the wall of dust as high as it kicked up, I figured I had an even chance of catching up with him before he got back to Santa Monica and into heavy traffic. But I figured differently when I had one hand on the door of my car. I had to. Company said so. I'm holding a gun. Please don't move. She was standing someplace behind me, and when I did a toe, she moved around in a wide, careful arc until we faced each other across a chunk of dark night. It revealed only two things. One, she was holding a gun, and two, there was no mistaking her. This was a lady in black. Those car keys there in your hand. Throw them here, please. Now, wait a minute. I'm sure we can please, talk... Please, let me handle them. Okay. Now what? Now, whoever you are, you can look for these while I'm hey, gone. Hey, listen. I don't want to be interfered with. Now, wait a minute. Oh, I get it. You're afraid something will jar the sale price you've set for Brasso, huh? Yep. What are you talking about? That ever-sinking routine known as blackmail. But to be very specific, a mystery witness, you, the lady in black, who almost gets to the police to take a killer. Almost that she could scare said killer into a generous frame of mind when next they meet. In other words, baby, it was all an act of pressure play on Dave Brasso. Now it's time to collect. Do I go on? No, you don't. You just do as I say. You just turn around and walk. And think a little. Think about the pistol shots that you neglected to mention, which somebody took at me while I almost went to the police. Or did I do that myself? Also for the sake of Mr. Brasso's frame of mind. It's possible. I don't think so. Now go and start walking. You don't make much sense standing here. As I moved away from her, she backed off quickly toward a car that was nuzzling a high hitch near the far side of the roadhouse. So I knew that any move I intended to make had to be done right then and there. But she must have known just as much because that was when the gun she held got mad enough to start spitting my way. I dove for the gravel at my feet, then practically burrowed my way across a dozen uncomfortable yards of chopped rock to the shovel of a line of trash cans. All of which left me scarred, safe, and in time to do nothing more effective than swear. Had a pair of teasing tail lights on a green sedan that were already winking out of sight. Didn't help much. Well, what do you know? The private detective again. Well, what's it this time? Bill Brasso's simple as he in? Oh, he isn't. That's funny. No, I don't think so. I only think you're funny. The panic, Marlowe. Uh, Moon and I have been watching you comb that gravel out there searching for the keys. We couldn't catch the chatter, but she certainly made you look stupid. And just so you don't go on looking that way, don't bother playing so wide-eyed about Brasso being in here either. You see, I know you know he isn't. <laughs> it won't work, sonny boy. Maybe a little pressure will. Um, I doubt it. I don't bend easy, Marlowe. Also, I don't happen to know where Brasso went. But just so nobody gets too upset or quick with the gun, maybe we have to go back over to the bar to chat. Hmm? Moon's expecting me. Besides, it's cozier there. It won't be once the cops start pouring in. Incidentally, it makes it your turn not to play dumb. Huh? I mean Ernie Baggett being very dead out in the back. <laughs> Even Stephen. Am I Marlowe? Yeah. Okay. I know about Baggett. From Brasson? I said... I heard you. Ah. <sighs> Nice night. Hmm, Marlo? You know, Stipple, you're making a big mistake. Hmm? What? Protecting Brasso can't pay off anymore. You said I was protecting him. 
I worked for Dave Brasso, period. If he knocked off a couple of people, and I'm not saying he has, it's got nothing to do with me. What's done is done. This doesn't include the girl, huh? Who? That witness? What's the difference? What happens to her? She's living on borrowed time right now, anyway. Look at her. Why? Because of what she knows? No, no. Because of the way she handles what she knows. All that gab in the papers. Now, she's lucky those three shots that were thrown at her only came out of a pistol. Could have been a howitzer, considering the advance notice she gave. Hey, Moon. What? The cops here yet? No, they ain't. Highway patrol said five minutes, ten minutes ago. I sure wish they'd get here. <laughs> uh, don't worry, they will. Tell them I'm gonna be. Hey. Hey, private detective. Come out of it. What's up? Around here, simple nothing. Nothing at all. Where are you going? To 77 Market Street. Brasso Produce Company. I think it's where both your boss and the lady in black are going to get together. And what gives you that idea? A hunch, Stipple. Just a hunch. Goodbye. Brasso Produce Company was a half a block of corrugated metal warehouse parked behind a wide loading ramp, which at 2 a.m. bustled with enough noisy fresh vegetable business to turn night into day. When I was out of my car, clear of the whirling electric hand shot, hey, I my way in between fatted lettuce crates toward a cage marked with Thatcher. I kept wondering how a guy who built an outfit like this single-handed could have possibly made the mistake I figured was his. I stopped wondering when a face that had been stolen from a hawk pressed himself close to the inside of the cage and yelled at me. Well, what is it, mister? Talk up there. We're on busy here. Wait me! Take everyone out now! Let us see Dave Brasso. Oh, that's what isn't here. Dispatcher! Yes, yes. Twenty-one up bushel. Right. Brasso's not in his office, mister. I, I'm not sure where he is. I'm not sure. You are cop? No, private detective. With expense account. Will five help? He just paid ten. Oh, let it rain. Come on, Buster, this house. Here's ten. The lady in black? Yeah, yeah. Keep it down, will you? She stood around for maybe 20 minutes before she got talking to me. Not a bad-looking doll. All right, right, all right. Now, where'd you send her? Come on, you got your ten thoughts. Hang on just a minute. Where? The old shed in the back. Used to be a warehouse. They've got a real private office there. You'll probably catch up there if you run. I'll probably try. Thanks. The ex-warehouse turned out to be an ugly huddle of parched cobblers teetering at the edge of a deserted cobblestone alley. Quietly dying of old age. And except for a flicker of light from an open door deep inside, it was as dark and as quiet as the lining of a frock coat. So I stepped in and in front of a garden, it was no surprise. When I told you that I didn't want to be interfered with, I meant just that. Now, without shouting, who are you? For one thing, a private detective named Philip Marlowe. Another, a guy who's still working for Vera Hammond. You, you're working for Vera? That's right, but not swinging in the dark. It means what? But you never saw Vera Hammond killed in the first place. With all this lady in black razzle-dazzle, strictly a smokehouse. Vera was my sister, Marlowe. Her letters told me all about Dave Brasso. About what he meant to her. About the runaround she was getting from him. So you added that to a phony hit-and-run accident and decided to pose as a surprise witness. So that Dave Brasso would try to pick you off and reveal himself as your sister's killer. If you look through it. Right. No, Marlowe, you... Marlowe, quick. Get back. Brasso just turned that light off in there. He's coming out. And I'm going to need you. No, don't listen. If you want to help, stay where you are. Keep quiet. Oh, God. I'd better be right. She moves one slow step at a time toward the long, thin triangle of light the open warehouse door spilled across the sawdust floor. I slid my 38 and shoulder holster to the right hand and the hair on the back of my neck started to crawl. And suddenly there was nothing to do but wait. You can stop right there, Mr. Brasso. Uh, 
Who's that? Who are you? A girl named Hamlin, Mr. Duncan. Friends with Hamlin. A girl who knows all about how life is for really With only a sudden flash of light at the moment taking it. With a pistol raised and aimed at the back of Francis Hamlin's head. With all the clue I needed. Drop it! Step up! Yeah, but he's harmless, honey. He and Sipple aren't on the same team as far as your sister's concerned. Did you hear that, Brasso? Yeah, I heard you, Marlowe. Then Sipple killed my sister. Why, Marlowe? I don't know. He's the one to ask about that. All right. Why, Sipple? Dave, why did you do it? Dave, stay back. Why? I I did it because she caught me at my place, caught me talking to Mike Weber. You worked for Weber for the guy who was wrecking our business? Yeah, Dave, please. I didn't know what I was doing. She was going back to you to tell you what she saw. You lousy! Oh, you would be double-crossing a lousy! Hey, hey, that's enough! No, no, it isn't. Please stay. I've got something to finish. No, 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 no. Well, now, for a guy who was too quoted isn't even on the city payroll, he did all right tonight. Money grubbers. I thought instead about the ones like you. 
all the people all over the world do. Sometimes get in trouble because other people won't realize the world is not the same. The Vera's are the ones to keep in mind. And that was when I decided that I was only tired, not whipped, not fed up. All I needed was a good night's sleep. So I went home and got it. Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, and are produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Script is by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Lynn Allen, Barney Phillips, John Daner, Jack Crucian, Charlie Bear, Edgar Barrier, Byron Kane, Hugh Thomas, and Bill Raleigh. Detective Lieutenant Matthews is played by Larry Dobkin. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Oran. <laughs> Be sure and be with us next week when Philip Marlowe says... Welcome back. Well, we're missing the uh, closing line to preview next week's story. And this has probably been the most uh, beat up uh, uh, in terms of sound quality Philip Marlowe episode we played. But still nothing compared to some of the uh, lower quality Nick Carter or uh, Johnny Dollar episodes even. But anyway, here's what the preview would have said. This time, she had hair spun from a red sunset. Skin as smooth as warm honey, in a generous mouth that laughed without moving. She was beautiful, except for cold, green eyes. I know Gerald Moore would do it better, but at any rate. Nice twist at the end with uh, the lady in black getting the murderer wrong. And of course we have, uh, after yesterday, we have another day of Larry uh, Dopkin. Uh, if Louie had been in... Uh, this week's episode of The Saint, uh, we would have three straight days of uh, Larry Dopkin. And it, I guess it's worth noting how uh, in demand he was, uh, inconsistently. Man from Homicide from 1951, Philip Marlowe from 1949, and episodes of The Saint from 1950, all with regular recurring roles for Mr. Larry Dopkin. Now on to some listener comments and feedback. Uh, regarding episode 1529, The Open Window, Ryan writes in, When he uttered the words, You're a liar, it always sounded like the crack of a whip. And, uh, I definitely like that about, um, the way Gerald Moore plays, um, Philip Marlowe. Uh, because usually there's there's a bit of calm and uh, sort of evenness uh, throughout most of the uh, performance. But then there are those moments when Marlowe is absolutely fierce. It's just a wonderful uh, characterization in that way. Uh, another comment, Sean says, love his opening line. And it is a good one. Probably one of the most memorable openings in all of the golden age of radio. Well, thanks so much for your comments and feedback. We will be back tomorrow with Nick Carter. 
and be sure and listen next week for another episode of The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.